story in Matthew 13 because he's crowded by by so many people. They're, they're, they're pressing around him as he's uh, on the shore of the lake. He, he gets into a boat and kind of sits out from the edge of the lake a little bit so he could teach the entire masses. And as all these people are crowded around him, he begins to tell them this parable. It's a story that he says, it's my kingdom. It's like this, this man who sowed seeds, who went out to go sow seeds. And as he was scattering the seeds, some of the seed fell on a path. But the seed that fell on the path, the birds of the air saw the seed and swooped in and and grabbed it and snatched it up and they carried it away so the seed didn't even have a chance to germinate, to take root. Other seed, it fell amongst rocky soil. And the rocky soil, um, those seed, they sprout up, they spring up quickly. But, but, But then as soon as the sun came out, because they had no root, they were easily withered and scorched by the heat of the day. Still other seed, they fell amongst thorns. And these thorns grew up around the good seed and choked it out so it couldn't produce any fruit. But still other seed, it fell on good soil. And that that seed produced fruit. It bore a harvest of 30, 60, even uh, 100 times what was sown. Jesus finishes the story with this. He who has ears to hear, let them hear. The disciples are kind of confused. I thought you were talking about your kingdom. Why are we talking about seeds, Jesus? What does this all have to do with what? So they ask him this question, and I love the disciples because that's a question that I would ask too. What are we talking about? And so Jesus explains the parable. He's like, well, the, the seed that's being sown is the good news of the kingdom of heaven. It's the good news of God's love for all mankind. And, and this seed is, is, is landing in, in different people's hearts, like the, the, the trodden down path, that's the seed that lands in a person's heart and mind, but they can't understand it. And so like the birds of the air, the enemy comes and snatches that seed away quickly before it ever has a chance to take any kind of root in their heart. The seed that lands on the rocky soil, well, that's like a person who receives the good news of the kingdom with great joy, and, and there's this excitement about, yes, I need to be saved, I love Jesus, I'm all in. But as soon as hardship or persecution because of the word comes along, then, then, then they're kind of withered and, and fall away because of the difficulty and the pressure and the heat of life on them. The heart, the, the human, the soul, that's, that's like the, the weeds. It's like this one where the seed, the good news of the kingdom lands there in their, their heart. But, but there's these competitions, these other weeds that grow up. And, and, and they, he says specifically, they're like the cares of this life, the worries of life, and the deceitfulness of riches. And they choke out the word or it can't produce fruit. But still, there is that heart, that one that receives the word and, and produces a, a good fruit, a fruit of 60, 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. This is the story from God's word that I want to unpack today. It has a real simple meaning to it, and I love that Jesus unpacked it for us so that we could understand it. And oftentimes, Jesus keeps the parables as kind of a mystery so that people got to dig for it. And you got to understand the context of this side conversation is just Jesus with his disciples. So there's the large crowd, and he tells them this story. And he finishes the story with, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. But then it's kind of this little aside conversation where Jesus and his disciples are unpacking the conversation together, kind of like us today going, okay, Lord, what are you trying to teach us by this parable, by this story? 
I think there's a real clear kind of sense of meaning. Like every one of our hearts has a different level of receptivity to the good news of the kingdom of heaven. We're like a path. We're like the rocky soil. We're like, we're like the weedy soil. We are like the good soil. And at the same time, there's a challenge, a, a sense of like, hey, where is your heart? If you have ears to hear, you're going to hear. If you have a desire to understand, you're going to understand. But if, but if you're kind of closed off or not really seeking or not really caring, then maybe you're going to be like one of these other soils. But at the same time, I love that there's a picture of good soil. Like that's the kind of life that we want to live. That's the kind of people that we want to be, the, the kingdom of God alive inside of us and bearing fruit all through our lives. And when we, when we, my family and I, we moved here um, back in 2010 to, to plant this church. We didn't want to plant a church, but God called us to it. The leadership at Real Life over in, in North Idaho asked us to move over here and plant this. And, and we knew clearly that God wanted us to do this. And we knew from the beginning that we were going to have to relocate our family. We had a two-year-old and a five-year-old at the time, and it was going to be a big deal. We were around all of our family over there, and it was just going to be a big transition. And, and so we rented out our house over there, and uh, we, we began looking for houses over here. When we first started as a church, we didn't have like services like this. We didn't have rooms full of people. We just had uh, small groups of people. We had uh, groups meeting all over the city, all different nights of the week. I think we had 12 groups meeting before we ever, uh, ever launched a service like this. It was about spring, about mid, uh, well, I know exactly when it was. It was our anniversary on May 24th of 2010. Because we were supposed to come over here on an anniversary date, but we had like 10 days to move out of our house. And so it was really hard to concentrate on being romantic when uh, like the pressure of getting out of your house and finding a house in Spokane was just on us. And so my wife and I are like diligently all over Craigslist trying to figure out a, a spot for our family to move to. And we didn't know where the church was going to be, so we looked all over the whole county trying to find a spot uh, for the church to be planted or actually for our family to live in. And we finally found a, a rental house up on the South Hill. And I remember not really caring south, north, whatever. We didn't know the city. And so uh, we found it. We called him, and, and it was like 350 bucks too much for what we could afford monthly. And I told him that. I'm like, hey, if there's any way that you can, you know, I'll do some extra work around the place. I'll, I'm good at landscaping, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll figure that stuff out. And he's like, no. Okay, we kept looking, kept looking, crying, tried to go out to dinner. It was horrible. It was like fighting, you know, super romantic, you know, take notes. Don't do this on your anniversary. Um, but we're, we're driving back to Idaho, and this landlord calls us. He said, you know what? I don't know why, but we just feel like we're supposed to do this. We're supposed to rent you our house at this massive discounted rate. Do you guys still want it? <laughs> we're like, yes, Absolutely. And then it was crazy because we get here and we're moved here and we're here and, and life is rolling and the church is up and running and we're into the fall of that year. And I remember kind of like losing my sense of wonder about the miracle that God was doing and getting us to Spokane and the people that got, because I'm driving, the church got launched up north here and I'm driving all through the city every day of the week. And, and I remember a Sunday morning, real specifically, it was like five in the morning and uh, we had to do set up and tear down for like 110 Sundays over at Evergreen Elementary. And, and uh, I, it was cold out. And I just remember like uh, the drive through the city. And I, I, I looked over and I was about halfway up here and, um, there was a bunch of little kids all lined up on the curb, like little kids, toddlers and, and early elementary kids. And they're all crying. And there's a lady, I don't know if it's a mom or an aunt or somebody, 
kind of marching up and down in front of these kids, berating them, just screaming at them. And I remember as, as I'm driving by, I'm like, I feel this like crazy, overwhelming sense of burden for those kids, for the brokenness in our city. Just a sense of like, man, I'm just, we're going up to do this great church spiritual thing. And right here, I just drove right past a really broken place. And I remember the Lord just spoke to me so clearly in that moment. He's like, Richie, there's a reason why I have you living so far away. I want you driving through this city every day, all the time, to keep your heart soft for the lost, the broken, the place that our city is really in. And I remember this sense of resolve just kind of settling in my heart. Like, yeah. Yeah, it would be so easy for me to get insulated and just be around people that are like me and think like me and talk like me. It'd be easy for me to just kind of settle into a groove that, like, this is what we do. And, and it was like the Holy Spirit in his grace was like, no, I want to keep your heart soft to, to the need, to the brokenness. And, and there was just this overwhelming conviction that has always been in the heart of this church ever since we got started. Like, we have got to help as many people as possible know the good news of the kingdom of heaven. We've got to get this good news of Jesus Christ in front of as many people as possible. And there's this, this sense that the sower of the seed and this, this scattering of the seed, you have no idea what kind of, what kind of heart this seed is going to land on. But at the same time, there's this, this passion to help as many people as possible know the good news about Jesus Christ. This is, this is what the seed is that's being sown, is the good news that God loves you. Bottom line, no matter where you've been, what you've done, where you've come from, God loves you. He has created you for a purpose. He has a plan for your life. He has not abandoned you. He made you. He spoke you into existence. And he loves you. He puts you together perfectly. And all the brokenness that you've experienced, all of that, he can redeem, he can heal, he can transform. In fact, he wants to. And his demonstration of love is so powerful. It's so real. It's his very own son coming to earth to walk sinless and perfect and become a substitution for all of our sin. The Bible says that he who knew no sin actually became sin so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. This is the good news, that when Jesus went to the cross, he died on our behalf, willingly taking our sin and shame on himself and and, and replacing it with his righteousness, his perfection. What a gift, right? This is the good news of Jesus Christ. And when you and I hear that, we, we receive that, it falls on all kinds of different hearts. And I, and I, I think that, that, that Jesus knows this. He's in a massive crowd. And, and it's almost like he's just like, hey, what kind of heart do you have? What kind of ears do you have? What kind of receptivity do you have? Where, where is it that you really find yourself in this story? I know for me, it's so easy for me to get disconnected from the heart of God, the passion of God, the burden of God for people that are struggling and hurting and stuck in life, hopeless and without purpose. I could just get insulated and just go do all my great churchy things and find myself disconnected from the heart of God. So I want to ask you kind of your story and, and, and maybe where you find yourself in this story in Matthew chapter 13. Go and remember, the kingdom has always been an invitation for everyone. It's now we talked about this last week in the wedding feast. It's open to everyone, good, bad, everyone. But really there's a responsibility, a responsiveness of our heart 
that Jesus is getting at in this story. So what kind of soil do you find in your heart? What kind of place do you find yourself as you hear this story today? The path is the first picture Jesus gives us. Hard, trodden down, well-worn earth. You've been hiking before. You've been on paths before. They didn't start as, as, as hard soil, but after lots and lots of reps over that same patch of ground, it gets hardened. It gets, it gets more and more sturdy. It get, becomes almost concrete-like as it just gets worn into. Now think about some of our hearts have just been run over a lot. Many of our hearts have been hurt, abandoned, abused. We find ourselves just kind of worked by life and by circumstances, and we found ourselves um, just getting hardened by the circumstances that we've been in over and over and over again. For some of us, it's created this sense of, of, of shutting life off and shutting people off because the hurt has become so much. Maybe you're shutting God off because religion has become a tool for evil and different stories and places that you've seen and heard about, and so your heart is just shut down to the idea of God completely. Others of us, it's, it's the troddenness, the, the hardness has crept in because of our own um, skepticism, not even willing to give God a chance or the good news that maybe I, I am a sinner and I really do need salvation. Like, like, I just can't come to grips with that because I'm a, I'm a basically, I'm a good person, Richie. And I kind of I have good values and I've tried to do a lot of good stuff in this life and the idea of me being a sinner is offensive and so I'm not going to allow you to put me in that box. And I understand that that skepticism is real and normal for a lot of people, but that hardness keeps us from hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. That maybe there is a God that created you, loves you, wants to save you, and give you hope and a purpose. Others of us, that hardness has come as we've just been so idealistic about life and people and circumstances. The more idealistic we are, the more easy it is for us to become disillusioned because things didn't go the way we thought they should go. And if we're not careful, there's a real pride attached to this idealism, like my way is the best way, and if everybody understood that, this world would go a lot better, right? And that idealism creates more and more disappointment because unmet expectations are happening constantly in our lives. It didn't go the way I thought it would go, and it hardens the path, just beats it down. Jesus says the bird is really the enemy. The enemy comes in and snatches the good news and doesn't even allow it to, to, to get into that soil because it's just so hardened. The bird's like, free meal. The enemy's like, prime for picking. I'm gonna, there's a spiritual enemy of your soul, and he wants nothing more than to keep you from the truth of the love of God. And so he just swoops in every time that seed lands on your heart and says, nope, no way. My prayer is, my hope is that maybe God would use this conversation to shed some light on how hardened your heart has become. For others of us, it's like the rocky soil. Jesus says that that seed springs up quickly with great joy, receiving the good news of the kingdom. But because of the shallowness of the soil, the rocks are just below the surface. It's just a thin layer of, of soil on top. The seed can't get down there and get roots because, because the, the rocks are there. And I think of like the lies of the enemy in our heart. 
He's always telling us lies about us, about God, about our purpose, or about why we've been hurt, or why things are difficult in, their, in our lives. And if we're not careful, these rocks really become our story. These lies become the story that we believe and, and, and really keep us from developing a deep root system. Because every time hardship comes, everything, every time a difficulty arises in our life, we find ourselves uh, frustrated again, hurt again. God must not love you because hard things are happening in your life. The lies of the enemy have, have taken hold of us and, and, and we can't get past this. And so we give up. We, we wither and we walk away. I think if, if, if you're paying attention, there's a lot of things that we believe and decisions that we make, and the enemy is always trying to influence those. He's trying to keep you from the love of God. And so he's trying to create reasons of why things are difficult in your life and how, how much God must not love you if it's this way. I just want you to hear this, that we live in a fallen and broken world. Ever since sin has been in this creation, it has been deteriorating. The relationships with people have been deteriorating. Life is difficult. There is hardship all around us happening to us. And the thing that the enemy tries to do is he tries to attach your worth and your value to these difficulties. Well, if you were loved by God, then things would be good in your life. Or, or difficulties wouldn't happen, or, or hardships wouldn't come. And man, it's so important that you know that, that the people that have gone before us, that have lived this life in relationship with Jesus, that have been overwhelmed by the goodness of the kingdom of heaven, have always had this capacity to dig deeper through the lies and get some roots that are established and able to endure when the scorching sun shines on our lives and have the capacity to believe for greater days and better things and that God is working in spite of the difficulties that are happening in my life and that somehow God is going to get glory through the situation even though I don't like it, I don't want it. None of us appreciate difficulty this way, but man, those lies, those rocks keep us shallow. Others of us were like the, the weedy soil, the soil with um, thorns, I think Jesus calls them. And he says real specifically, these thorns are, are, are growing up in the good, in the soil, competition for the seed, and, and, and they, are, they are choking it out. If you got weeds in your garden, I think you understand this picture, that those weeds are there because that's pretty good soil. And they want it. And they're going to compete for nutrients, for water, for sunlight. They're going to do everything they can to win the race to gather the most attention out of your garden. And I think Jesus attaches it to two specific things, the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches. And those things are distractions that become competition in your heart for the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus tells this story to help illustrate, hey, if, if, this, if this seed is landing in this kind of soil, it's not going to produce fruit. It's going to get choked out by the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches. Matthew chapter 5 and 6, 6 real specifically, Jesus deals with the cares of this life. It's like, hey, man, 
God, God loves you so much, and he's providing for the birds of the air, the flowers of the field. Uh, God loves you way more than the birds of the air, and, and he is willing and loves to provide for you. He said, you don't need to run after all these things that the world is running after. God knows what you need, and, and he is going to take care of you. God is going to provide. He is our provider. For us to get entrapped by the deceitfulness of riches is this enamor of if I have more, life will be better. If I can get enough, if I can have what I want, what I need, how it needs to go, it's a trap. It's this endless, bottomless trap that that keeps us from contentment, keeps us from faith and gratitude and the goodness and the provision of God, and, and keeps us from a life that's content with how God has called us to live. Man, when I hear this, I go, man, Lord, I don't want any of us to have this kind of soil because it's, it's a fruitless soil. Maybe the seed will sprout and it'll be there, it'll exist, but it's not going to produce fruit because everything is choking it out. But there's this last soil, right, the good soil. I don't know how you hear this story, but I'm like, yes, that's the soil, right? I want 30, 60, 100 times. Why couldn't you put 1,000 times on there, Jesus, right? Like, that's the kind of soil I want to have. But when we, when we hear this story, I think it could be easy to maybe kind of look at your life and go, hey, do I have that kind of fruitfulness? Maybe I don't. Is there weeds? Is there rocks? What's going on? Is my heart trodden down and pat like, ugh? But I think that, that this story is intended also to encourage, to go, you know what? There is, there is this sense of fruitfulness that is going to be produced in your life. You may not see it yet. You may not know exactly how it's going to get there from here. But if you have ears to hear, you're going to hear what my kingdom's about and what, it, what God's calling you to and what this life could look like. And you're going to sense like a, a responsibility to take a next step. And as God speaks, you're going to obey. And as you obey, more of his leadership, more of his presence, more of the spiritual momentum in your life is going to grow. And you are going to be shaped. And, and the 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 seed that is being planted in this soil is going to begin to bear fruit. I think about how easy it is to measure our lives and go, well, maybe I'm not, I haven't had my hands in the baptism tank in a while. Maybe, maybe I haven't uh, experienced somebody coming to join me at church. I haven't seen fruitfulness. I'm not leading. I'm not volunteering. I'm not giving financial. I'm not doing anything kind of kingdom-like in this life. And I want you to hear this, though, that there is an invitation always to become a people of the kingdom. That invitation is always open. The opportunity is always in front of us to go, do I have ears to hear? Do I have a heart that's soft? Do I have that receptivity to become someone that that God could use, that he could multiply his kingdom through? Man, when I think about this story, I also think about the sower of the seed. Thinking like 25% of the seed that he actually sows lands on good soil. But you don't hear the sower being stingy like, oh, I'm not throwing it over there or I'm not throwing it over there. He's just scattering the seed. He's being faithful to this, this invitation that the kingdom has always been, that it's open for everyone, that no matter where you've come from, where you've been, that there is opportunity for you to become a part of God's family, to be a part of something supernatural, eternal, that you can actually have an opportunity to be in right relationship with God. That seed needs to be sown no matter the condition of the soil that we are sowing in. And so then I get fired up and I go, God, we want to be a fruitful people. We want to be a passionate people. We want to be a people who go, God, we're going to scatter the seed. We're going to sow the seed wherever it lands, however it goes. God, we want to be a part of the miracle of you changing lives. And and, and so, God, we are committed to sow this seed. 
Think about God made you for a purpose. I love Ephesians 2.10, that you are his masterpiece. You're created anew in Christ Jesus so that, so that you could do the good things, the good work that he planned long ago for you to do. God is putting seed in your heart, the good news of the kingdom. As he's creating you anew in Christ Jesus, he has a purpose and a plan for this renewal of your heart not just so that you can sit on it and get choked out by the concerns of this life, but that you can become fruitful and that the seed that is being planted in you is now going get, to get a chance to be sown in other people. You think about the faith of a farmer to go, you know, this is, say in this day, it might have been wheat. And that, that grain that they harvested last fall they now got to make a decision about. A bunch of it can be sold and made into bread and all that good stuff can happen, but they got to set a portion aside to begin to sow in, this, in the next season. And then when they begin to sow it, think of the faith. This is money. This is, this is bread. This is food. This is sustenance. This is something that, that I would love to hang on to. It's purpose, it feels like success, it feels like significance. But instead of holding on to it, I'm going to stick it in the ground. I'm going to scatter this seed. And I'm going to believe that God is going to do something supernatural through this in the lives of people around me, work, school, my neighborhood. And my extended family is going to begin to understand the good news of the kingdom of heaven. And I don't know how many seasons of sowing I'm going to have to do to see a harvest in their lives but I'm committed to sow. I'm committed to scatter these seeds, to sacrifice, to not live for myself, but for the purpose of God. That he has a reason for me to be saved, not just to serve myself, but to use the gifts, the abilities that he's given me to help other people experience the glory, the goodness of his kingdom. Romans 10 is so powerful. Paul says in verse 13, for everyone, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? For it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. It's always been the passion of the kingdom passion of ours around here at Real Life is that we are not a people that just come and sit and consume, but we are a people who are being empowered, called by God, and sent on a mission every week. Every work day, every school day, every roommate conversation, every friend coffee, every moment God is sending us as these servants to go sow this seed of the good news of the kingdom. Because there's people that need to believe in the good news of Jesus Christ. But unless somebody says, I'm sent by God, they may never hear. One of the crippling factors of the church is that when we think of the kingdom expanding, we think of a dude standing on a stage and people sitting in seats. That's all wrong thinking. Really, the kingdom expanding is through every single one of us that understand, no, 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 no. Man, that seed has been sown in this heart, and I've got to go do whatever I can to scatter as much of the good news as I possibly can with everyone I know. 
And I believe that God is calling every single one of us and empowering every single one of you for this purpose, that God wants you to be a part of something supernatural, not locked up in a fruitless life that doesn't actually experience the joy of the kingdom, of harvest, of that 30, 60, or 100 times. Man, this is an invitation for you to have a life of fruitfulness, to have a life that experiences the glory of God, to have those miracles where you just know that was God. That was not me trying to figure out my own good life, right? That was not me drumming up a purpose for myself. That was God. That was him saving my kids. That was him transforming my friend. That was him healing that marriage. That was God. Man, that fruitfulness God wants for every single one of our lives. And I love this. The invitation is open. What kind of people are you going to be? What kind of heart are you going to have? What kind of soil are you going to have? What kind of responsiveness are you going to have? Here's our hope, is that today you would respond as Jesus is speaking to you. First response is this, receive the kingdom, receive the good news. I am a sinner and I need saving. I need a savior to save me from myself and my own self-centered ways. God, would you be my savior? Jesus, would you come and be my salvation? And if you're at that spot today, I want to call you to a place of responsiveness, baptism. That's what's modeled in scripture. Jesus did it, commands it. That's what we do around here all the time. In fact, I'm hearing that there's a few people that are already gonna be baptized this service. And so we would we'd love it for you to join the party and the celebration. In a moment, when we stand to sing, just head to the back. Our team will meet you back there. We've got shirts and shorts, towels, everything you need to take that step today. Others of you, you know your next step is to really evaluate the condition of your soil, of your heart. Ugh. A lot of weeds growing here. Soil, it's all rocky. It's kept me shallow, easily withered. I give up all the time. Just evaluate that. I want you to stand to your feet if you would with me today. I want to just pray for you as as you're allowing God to speak to you right now. God, you see every heart here and you know the condition of every soil. The longing inside of us, God, to be a people of your kingdom is it's palpable, God, in this room. And I pray, Jesus, that by your spirit right now that you would meet us here in every heart. God, clearly give us a step to take, Lord, whether it's baptism, it's, it's rearranging priorities. God, it's, it's forgiving maybe cracking the door of that skeptical heart. God, I ask you to just meet us here in a powerful way. Speak clearly, Jesus. Lord, we long to be your people. We long to be a church. God, empowered and sent, not just sitting on our hands, God, but actually used by you for a fruitful life, a kingdom life, God. I pray that your glory would just be spread throughout the city because of everyone sitting here today. We just give our hearts, Jesus. We love you. We trust you.